Welcome, everybody, to this week's Science Metaverse podcast. I'm Keita Funakawa. And I'm Steve McCloskey. Uh, welcome to episode 52. It's been exactly uh, one full year worth of episodes, given that we produce uh, one per week. Uh, we missed one episode, I think, a couple weeks ago. Um, but besides that, we've uh, continued our one-year streak. And uh, yeah, this is actually our last episode producing on a regular basis. Um, at the very beginning, we set this out to be kind of an experiment, what it would be like for us to create a podcast. And uh, we've learned a ton. Uh, it's been super fun doing podcasts. I think we still want to do guest sessions and things like that going forward. But um, in terms of weekly like news debriefs and breakdowns and stuff like that, we're not going to be doing uh, as regularly uh, as we have in the last year. So thank you so much for listening to our podcast for the past year and uh, look forward to some more future episodes coming down um, in the Science Metaverse podcast. But uh, yeah, without further ado, this is, this is indeed the last one. So we got a lot lot to talk about in our, in our last regular episode here. Uh, first up is that Big Screen is actually releasing a new headset um, called the Beyond or Big Screen Beyond. It's a very lightweight headset that is actually a Steam VR tracked headset, um, and they're really kind of targeting the experienced, you know, PC VR user with this. You know, I think uh, in one of the first impressions videos, I think I saw some uh, or heard somebody say that you know, if you already have a VR headset and you're looking for an upgrade, this is the VR headset for you. Or something so like small. That. You know, like it, it just, you know, in terms of form factor, getting closer and closer to classes, like it's pretty much classes, right? But, you know, it just has a little bit more up front. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm personally really excited about this because I think that um, just a lightweight, more just like, I don't know, comfortable headset for like media consumption. Um, you know, one of the use cases that the original Oculus Go uh was very um, heavily used for was media c- uh, consumption, according to John Carmack at one of his Oculus Connect speeches. And so, like, uh, and it makes sense, right? This is actually made by Big Screen, uh, which is a software vendor uh, or you know popular maker of of uh, uh, XR software. Um, and so, really fascinating to to see that. Yeah, you know, on, on another point, right? Yeah, you know, is this going to be a trend where a bunch of software developers just kind of make their own like third-party headsets, or I guess you know first-party from them, but not really the traditional HTC, Oculus, Meta, um, you know, PSVR, right? So it's, I mean, it, you know, know, it's cool to see new players. The one who kicked this off was Apple, right? In terms of making the best software experience, you have to make your own hardware. They're like fairly well known for that quote that I think Steve Jobs said. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, in terms of within the XR world, it's definitely they're the first of their kind to do so. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Steve, if you had to bet on a different XR software uh, company coming out with their own headset, who do you think that will be? Um, I mean, standalone or PC wired? Because I feel oh, like with the PC... Are. Yeah, PC wired. I feel like it could be anyone. Um, you know, if you, if you want people to use like Steam VR type of trackers um, and and have that ecosystem, you don't need to worry about the inside out positional tracking as much. Um, a lot of the AI positioning, you know, a lot of the things that the incumbents I would say are, are pretty far ahead on. Um, you wouldn't have to worry about that because you could just do you know infrared laser tracking basically. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't rule it out that Nano maybe someday could produce its own headset. <laughs> 
right? I mean, especially with all the um, uh, sort of IT uh, situations that, that we end up in, you know, it, it is really great to work with the, the current hardware vendors, but, you know, I, we just always need, um, you know, so much more for our customers. And so you know, if it becomes to the point where the only way to really fully service our customers is to do something like this, um, but I, I'd prefer to stay out of the hardware until, you know, it becomes the, uh, I don't know, most logical thing for us to do at our scale. But yeah, it's cool to see that, you know, at least more people are getting into it because a lot of people are getting out of it, right? All the mixed reality stuff happening. Um, you have people no longer um, developing certain headsets, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I want to see a um, standalone version of this, you know, third party, just making their own headset type of a uh, situation. So, so you don't have a, if you had to make a bet, uh, any one company, any just, thoughts on that? One company that's not owned by Meta or HTC. Um, I'd say maybe some of the other like VR like training software companies could probably go that, that route. Um, was it my, my bet? My bet is on Immersed, actually. You think Immersed? Yeah, I feel like they they definitely kind of have that you know like aura of like I, big screen and both. I mean, they're. I mean, I would consider both of them to be somewhat competitive with each other, although they do slightly different things and they're, you know, they have special, like mm-hmm. you know, specialized use cases, but like, I feel like not only are they somewhat competitive in terms of the actual software, they're also from like a branding perspective. I feel like they have a similar aura to them. So that's my, that's mm-hmm. my quick two cents. Yeah. I don't know. I'm interesting. Um, you know, what's going to be going on with like, big screen as a company with this move um because like yeah like maybe this is a better way to to get people that watch movies and big screen to you know also use a good piece of hardware for doing that um but yeah like you know are they gonna put these into like entertainment centers and like i don't know there, there's a bunch you can do when you start getting into hardware and I, I think it's a cool step but i'd like to understand their strategy a bit more yep yep well, um, you know, I did fill out a pre-order form, so uh, we'll definitely check it out and uh, see what it's like, see what Nanom's like in a 2.6K per eye OLED VR. Um, speaking of OLED VR, um, the Sony PlayStation VR 2 reviews are out, uh, and today was an embargo release date. We're recording on a Thursday today. And, um, you know, interestingly, uh, The Verge's title for their review was Love on a Leash, um, Addy uh, Robertson, who did the review for The Verge, said that, um, you know, Meta and HTC has conditioned her so much to like wireless VR that she forgot the pains of wired VR. But that besides that, the overall experience was really, really good. Um, I believe CNET called it the best uh, VR experience that they've had, actually. So um, really interesting to see that. And in fact, um, the entire headset connects to the uh, PS5 with a single USB-C connection. So, um, and when CNET tested it on, uh, a, you know, by connecting the headset onto a computer, the, the Windows computer actually recognized it as a monitor, uh, but of course SteamVR didn't recognize it. So there actually could be a, you know, I actually thought I was fairly bearish uh, originally on uh, SteamVR actually supporting um, PS5, sorry, uh, PSVR2. But I believe that chances actually has gone up given kind of this le- these latest findings that, you know, Windows even actually recognizes it. So, you know, there could there be a jailbreak 
uh, solution for PSVR2? Um, maybe. Uh, I, I think that probably is higher than I originally thought. But besides that, the headset's supposed, uh, supposedly a really great experience um, and is a really a, a good direction forward for consumer VR, uh, you know, with this new headset. So, uh, Steve, any, any thoughts on some from the original reviews of, of uh, PSVR2? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, you know, it's definitely a you know, more expensive option than a lot of the like standalone like the Oculus Quest 2. Um, but for people that already have a PS5 to, to do the upgrade to get into like a pretty nice like tethered VR experience, I think it's awesome. Uh, yeah, the last PSVR, I had concerns about you know, some of the resolution, uh, the tracking as well was, was really the biggest issue there. Um, but it looks like they've improved the tracking. I think that you know people seem to like that a lot. Um, the way that they do the um, the mesh positioning for like objects in your environment, super cool. You know, yeah, it's uh, been done by a lot of others in the industry, um, but it definitely adds to having the sort of like mixed reality, like in-world experience uh, type of overlap. So I think there's a lot developers can do with that. Um, whether it's going to get jailbroken, I don't know. Like I, I think it's cool as like a you know you buy a thousand dollar type of VR system. I think it's really great that it has you know, dedicated graphics, all that. Um, so it could probably run some good experiences. Also, like that they kind of leaned into the design a bit. Like it, you know, no one had complaints about the controllers, I believe. And um, yeah, they they kind of like them um, because it like recognizes your your fingers resting on the buttons. You know, like little touches like that are are definitely really great. Um, but the fact that they kind of leaned into the like put your hand through this ring and like kind of plug into this device, like it it's fun. I think they're having fun with the design and the concept a bit. Um, instead of just doing the streamlined thing that everybody else did with, yeah, the ring on the tip. Yeah, based on some uh, of the initial videos, it looks like uh, the one of the flagship games, uh, Horizons, uh, not to be con con uh, confused with Meta's Horizon World, um, actually has uh, eye track based input where uh, the user looks at a prompt or a list of things that they could click on. And then they click on an X button on the controller in order to move forward with it. So um, I'm really loving already these kind of you know use cases of the or leveraging these uh, the new brand new features that this generation of headsets have. Um, so yeah, really excited to uh, you know get my get our hands on it. We we've ordered a PS5, we've pre-ordered the PS VR2, hoping to get it in the next couple of weeks or so. Can't wait to try it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, yeah, content-wise, definitely want to try. Uh, was it? It's called Horizon uh, something right here. Horizon Call of the Wild, Call of the Mountain. So, Horizon Call of the Mountain, not Facebook Meta Horizons, different Horizon or Horizon Workroom. Um, or, or yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, excited for it. I think there's going to probably be some some better content coming down the road. Um, but as developers, like I think it's really great to get hands-on with this ASAP. Definitely. And speaking of eye tracking, uh, this week, uh, or a couple days ago, um, Oculus, or Meta, just released a new blog post talking about saving GPU power with eye-tracked phobia rendering. So um, again, kind of the theme is, you know, this, this new generation of headsets that have eye tracking, like the Quest Pro, PSVR 2, um, you know, you get all, all kinds of different benefits from that, right? And so... Um, you know, this is kind of getting into inside baseball from a VR dev perspective. But, um, you know, so for those of you who are unaware, I, like phobia rendering allows you to save a lot of computational and specifically GPU power on the device 
by only rendering the immediate pixels around the point at which your eyes are looking at and then blurring the rest of the screen that's in front of you uh, because you know your eyes can't be focusing on the entire screen anyway, right? Um, so uh, really great to see kind of the fact that uh, Meta is uh, making this more, more and more of an industrial um, standard. I remember being at Oculus Connect a couple of years ago, um, seeing kind of the limitations because essentially your eyes move extremely fast. And so in, ensuring that the LCD or the OLED panels um, keep up with where you're exactly your pupils are looking at is that was one of the big kind of challenges that I know the industry has been facing in the past couple of years. So it's kind of good to see that, uh, you know, these challenges are, are looking like a lot of these are starting to get solved and that, uh, these are actually starting to be becoming implemented, not just being a theoretical thing that you could implement once you had eye tracking. So really awesome to see this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've talked about it for a while. This represents, um, you know, sort of the next big step. But you know, what they're saying is, is you know, you could have a better graphics experience with much less GPU power. Um, and that's something that every developer, you know, really appreciates, whether it's, you know, better graphics for, for video games or, you know, more atom counts on a protein or, um, you know, higher quality renderings. Uh, all of that really helps in terms of, you know, giving the best experience to the user. So um, yeah, I'm happy that the Meta team continues to make good strides for all of this. Um, it, you know, this is just one of the the things that I think needs to happen in the industry, and the fact that Meta's you know still investing and in, in doing things like this um, is really great because it kind of helps everyone. Last bit of news here on the uh, hardware front. Um, uh, you know, this is still kind of rumors territory, but uh, the update this week on the uh, infamous Apple uh, theoretical headset is that it has been pushed back from an April uh, announcement to a June announcement. Um, so that's kind of the latest there. Um, not too much to say because it's all still just rumors, but uh, you know, it seems like Apple's really taking their time and ensuring that they get it right based on these rumors and if these are true, but um, any kind of any yeah, on that? I, I hadn't been um, like anticipating it in April, really. Um, I think it being at WWDC has made the most sense. And I feel like given that's kind of like wishful thinking, um, you know, still rumors. And, you know, I hope that they do it at their worldwide uh, developers conference uh, coming up in June. Um, yeah, it'd be awesome. Like, yeah, they're, they're saying it's going to be some sort of a uh, look around with your eyes and, and do minimal movements with your, your hands type of uh, combination UI. Um, yeah, they hired Doug Bowman several years ago, um, who literally wrote the book on 3D user interface. So um, I, I have really high hopes for the experience, just feeling really good right out of the box. Um, people not really needing to learn how to use controllers or learn how to really do the user interface much more than, you know, you kind of pick up an iPhone and, and just start tapping on things. Um, I'm really hoping that it's going to be that type, kind of that type of experience and just uh, help people with the XR onboarding. We shall see. We shall see. We could probably do a podcast once the Apple headset is actually announced. And we could oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Get some reactions and thoughts about that. Um, so uh, on to some more kind of the science metaverse related other topics here. Um, hair DAO, which I didn't know was a DAO, which, by the way, they focus on hair loss improvement. Uh, you know, there's a distributed autonomous organization around uh, hair loss prevention, which is like awesome to see. But anyways, hair DAO becomes the second BioDAO to actually mint an IP NFT. 
so, well, I guess that's excluding the IP NFTs that you could have minted uh, through Matrix. But congratulations to Herdow uh, for minting um, uh, their ownership of topical application of thyroid ho hormones to treat androgenetic uh, alopecia. Uh, yeah, I butchered the pronunciation there, is now on chain. Um, and then they also did a stream with Professor Ralph Paus, uh, who is running the study. Um, so congrats to them. Check out the Harry Matters podcast. I love the name of the podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely check out. Uh, you can even see the NFT that they minted on Etherscan as well. So check out, be sure to check out the links in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, any, any thoughts on this uh, IP NFT here, Steve? Um, yeah, I mean, the uh, Molecule DAO team, yeah, I remember running into them back in the day and we were uh, doing our yeah, decentralized research platform. Um, they, they were more interested in, in sort of taking uh, work from a, a research center and trying to um, yeah, mint this IP NFT um, to help uh, like fund more research and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's good to be researching these things. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure if really like topical application of thyroid hormones actually does anything for hair growth. Um, you know, for sure, like I'd want to see the data. Um, I, I guess when it comes to like IP on chain, like I feel like having open research, um, you know, being able to, to share all the data, you know, whatever experimentation, sort of like get into the science and be publishing that openly alongside. Um, but hey, maybe it's it's there and I just haven't found it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always cool to see people in the you know, biotech DAOs type of scene, um, you know, working together and, and trying to help each other out if it is for good research with, um, you know, real science, which, you know, to me, that's like the concrete part that needs to be on the blockchain, you know? Well, I mean, yeah. I, you know, the, I'll, t I'll take a care of, of, of any form, but especially hair loss on the blockchain any day. David, um, would you like to apply some topical thyroid hormones? See what happens if it's if it's clinically proven to work. Yeah, I will. I will. I'm not <laughs> eager to participate. Like I don't. I don't think not decentralized not clinical trials, Kata. I, yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't think I particularly uh, suffer from hair loss uh, too much. So um, I, I'm not in a rush to, you know, try to participate in the phase three clinical trials per se. But uh, you know, very much uh, in favor of of having more open science and and and, and more curing of diseases in general. So. Um, very awesome to to see that uh, more kind of you know use cases of the metaverse and and blockchain in science. Mm -hmm. um, lastly, uh, the last piece of news here is more on kind of the the science part of the science metaverse. But at the same time, you can't have a metaverse without GPUs. So uh, the post is titled "Massively Improved Multi-Node NVIDIA GPU Scalability with Gromax." Uh, in this post. Uh, quote, we showcased the latest uh, the, of uh, improvements of Gromax on NVIDIA, uh, made uh, NVIDIA with GPUs made possible through the enablement of GPU particle mesh EWOLD PME decomposition with GPU direct communication, a feature available in the new Gromax 2023 release version. Uh, we've observed up to 21x performance improvements enabled through this network, so, uh, or through this work. So uh, really awesome to see, just that's a massive improvement in performance. Um, those of you who don't know, Gromax is um, a scientific uh, software package widely used for simulating biomolecular systems and plays a critical role in comprehending important biological processes uh, for disease prevention and treatment. Um, and so, uh, you know, Gromax simulation is one of the popular 
molecular simulation algorithms that are out there, and um, they seem like they've made some massive improvements with the latest uh, improvements in uh, in the NVIDIA GPUs. So uh, really awesome to see this coming out of a developer blog post out of uh, NVIDIA. Yeah, I mean, you know, people use, uh, you know, very many GPUs to run, you know, these atomistic simulations, um, you know, typically takes a very long time. Um, but, you know, if you can look at, um, you know, more states of that protein, longer time steps, and, and kind of see its movement dynamics, uh, you can understand a lot more information about maybe how to target it or um, how to make certain changes to, to get different properties out of that in terms of protein engineering. So um, yeah, you know, any improvements made on the um, sort of, I guess, GPU like um, optimization end um, is going to help everyone. So again, you know, we're always excited to see things like this. Um, but yeah, if you have a, a lot of GPUs that run in parallel, doing a lot of simulations, you know, you may be in luck uh, getting you know, better performance now thanks to some work by NVIDIA. Yeah, this is great to see. I remember when we uh, had some kind of experiments early on uh, in the Nanom days of um, trying to use or trying to see outputs of Gromax in VR. Um, so definitely a, a huge portion of, of the science metaverse um, and, you know, it was, it, the, the meta world of, of molecules and, and how they get simulated uh, is a huge part of the science metaverse. So uh, glad to yep. see continued improvements uh, on that front. Um, so those are about it in terms of uh, this kind of uh, this week's news and recap. Again, this will be kind of the last episode uh, that we produce regularly uh, for the foreseeable future. But uh, it's been awesome um, talking and, and, and interacting with the community on this podcast um, throughout the past year. And uh, there will be more episodes, just you know, less frequently. And so, um, again, thank you for listening. Uh, Steve, any kind of thoughts? Yeah, yeah. just want to say, you know, thank you to all the users that have, you know, been listening to the Science Metaverse podcast series. Um, yeah, we are going to be changing things up. So, um, you know, less about weekly news happening in the Science Metaverse or, you know, XR fields or just anything related to, um, you know, computer science, um, you know, graphics, uh, chemistry modeling. Uh, we're going to be focusing more on, you uh, bigger events. We're going to be focusing on customer uh, stories, kind of spotlights, uh, different people in the community as well. So, you know, expect these to be less frequent, but we're still going to be producing some episodes. Um, you know, look forward to the big episode whenever Apple ends up unveiling anything and we could, uh, you know, kind of concretely talk about it. Um, but yeah, until then, you know, enjoy Nanome and we'll see you in the Science Metaverse.